0: Man, my life is just even sober off drugs. My life is chaos. I just hold on one second, please. All right, so what is what's up, you guys? Um, how's it going? Hope you all had a good New Year's Eve. Um, I Did not go out. (laughs) I didn't do shit, but stay in and watch movies. Because when you're in rehab, as I have been in for the last nine months, the last thing you really want to do is go downtown and be around a bunch of drunk people. Uh, Is that just me? Or do other people relate? (laughs) When I was drinking, or partying, or doing drugs, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Of course, but when you're sober and there's annoying drunk people around, it's the love intolerance is not at its, at its peak performance. So, I stayed in and watched movies. Um, I made everyone watch The Mule. Uh, not Mule, but The Mule. Which is about a guy who tries to smuggle a kilo of, of heroin from um, back to Australia... And he ends up um, getting caught at customs and they suspect he's hiding things in his stomach. So they hold him captive in a hotel uh, and try to make him poop it out. And I guess legally, they can only hold you for seven days. So the whole movie is him trying not to poop for seven days or else he'll go back to jail. Speaking of Australia... I want to give um, my love and wishes to all my all my fam. I can't believe I just said that word. In uh, Australia, the the f- the whole fucking country, the whole place is on fire. And uh, it's fucking really heartbreaking seeing and hearing about everything that's going on over there. Um, I hope everyone that is listening who's in Australia is. Is doing well over there. Um, and I just, I'm kind of like at a loss for words because it's just terrible. You know, a few days into the new year, we, uh, fucking Australia's on fire and apparently Iran is bombing us and the World War Three memes are everywhere. So off to a, a, a fucking piss poor start, to say the least. It's just like, fuck. Not only that, but. Um, you know, I said it in the last episode, I needed to take a week or two break from podcasting and kind of focus on my own shit. I've been going through just a lot uh, in general. Um, you know, uh, I've lost a few friends to overdose. Um, a bunch of friends relapsed this, these holiday season, all these se- this holidays, in this type of season of year and, um, it just got me down. I know I mentioned it before. Um, I had a friend who had gone missing for about four weeks. Uh, and when I got back from Christmas pass, um, I came to find out that he was found dead in his car and I, and that's really all I know. I've been hearing, Other things here and there. There may have been foul play involved. Uh, I can't confirm or deny that. I just know that they found him dead in his car. So that hit me kind of hard. Not kind of. It fucking hit me really hard. And so I just... And with everything else going on, I just needed some time to kind of regroup, refocus, um, and, you know, gearing up for school and work and... uh, graduating rehab and transitioning into sober living and not only that but um you know the podcast has been it's kind of under maintenance or construction I'm trying to reformat it and um and do and make it better you know there was I've uh, you know when I listen back uh there's just a few things I want to change about this this podcast and make it better for all of you and um And yeah, so it's like I'm trying to work out how exactly to do that and um, not rebrand, but just just kind of just make it better. So uh, if anyone's out there listening uh, and, you know, there's things about this podcast you like or things about this podcast you wish were better, I would greatly, greatly appreciate an email uh, it would be the easiest way to, to for me to like read and if you can just anyone who wants to give me feedback on what they like about the podcast what sucks about this podcast please let me know because I want to improve it and make it better for all of you um, and you know I I'm open to constructive criticism um, also anyone who has sent me an email i promise i will get i will reply to you and read our emails and itunes reviews as soon as possible it's been kind of fucked uh being without a phone or internet access being on a fucking library contract and it's just been very difficult to even get on the the gmail account to um reply to you guys but uh I promise I am f- I'm gonna be in phase four of this rehab program in a week from now of me recording this so by the time this airs, I will be in phase four have my car and my phone and uh, <laughs> and I'll be able to you know I'll be more available to uh, to communicate with. So my apologies for that. Uh, but yeah send us an email podcast at gmail.com. Um, So much crazy shit has been happening at the rehab. I just went and hung out with my friend Bethany and I just told her about... I'm on weekend pass, by the way. And I told her about all this crazy shit that's been happening that I really want to talk about and tell stories about on here. But it's just too fresh to to talk about. But, I mean, even though... It's, it's a fucking crazy, even though I'm clean and sober, the chaos, uh, just, just continuously commences in my life. And so I would love to tell you all about that. I'm uh, some of my, you know, some of you who I have con- talked to on, on Facebook and, and the, here and there, I've been able to give b- bits and pieces about just the insanity that's ensuing at my inpatient, but it's just too fresh to bring up it's for these airwaves at this point. I think what I'm gonna do is record it a bunch of it and then put it in the vaults and release it at a later date. but uh, and not only that, I need to work on all these other episodes. I, I you know we have I've said this before we have a bunch of older recordings in the vaults. That I need to mix and master and release, so I need to get on that. I just, fuck dude, Yeah, so much catching up to do. But, today, in this episode, I was just going to do it solo, and bring a, and tell an old war story. Uh, because I know a lot of you want to hear that kind of shit. And, this story I've told before, but it's a really old recording, or it's on an older episode, and I don't think a lot of you or a lot of newer listeners have heard this episode. You know, it's kind of crazy, like, I was in and out of relapse in the very early episodes of this podcast, so there's episodes where I'm fucking loaded, there's episodes where I'm dope sick, and... You know, listening back, the quality of our earlier episodes are really not up to par with the newer episodes. So, fuck, I hate for people who've never heard this before to go and check out my first episode. Thinking, like, it's anything like what we're like I'm putting out now. Because, fuck, I, it sounds horrible. <laughs> so I would hope that people don't judge our newer content based on our older content, but I'm going to tell this story and hopefully people that haven't heard it can hear it now. So this story is about the first time I ever overdosed and had to get hit with Narcan. Um, It was pretty scary, pretty dark, pretty fucked up, but there's some humor in it because, I mean, of what, what ensues. So basically, at this point in my life, during this story, I am in adult drug court, and I'm basically, you know, trying my best to stay abstinent from drugs and alcohol. You know, I'm getting, I'm on a uh, color-coded testing system, and I know that if I test dirty, I'm going to jail. So I'm doing my best. And around this time, I'm about two, three months into the program, getting to feel my way around and see what it, what drug court's like. And a lot of my friends in the program are taking kratom. Now, for those that don't know what kratom is, it's the leaves of this plant um, that grows all over. Um, and they it's basically... Not an opiate, but it triggers your brain's opioid receptors. So, but it doesn't like attach to the opioid receptor. I guess it binds or floats around it. So, um, there isn't really an intense withdrawal if you come off of it. Some people, I guess, do, some people don't. Uh, for me, I never had a withdrawal from Kratom, but it was great because um, during this time I was. Uh, kind of seeing on and off my my girlfriend at the time, Lindsay, and she would be like getting loaded in front of me, shooting up in front of me. And so to kind of curb my cravings, seeing her get high when I knew I couldn't, I would take Kratom to like kind of smooth out my, my triggers and cravings. So, you know, I've noticed that our drug court uh, program doesn't test for Kratom. And so I'm stoked on this and I see other people taking Kratom. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to start taking Kratom. Well, turns out shit hits the fan. Someone snitches and, uh, and someone someone else in the program snitches everyone out. And now staff in drug court or counselors know people are taking Kratom. So now they're starting to test for it catch people, bust people, and they get locked up for, you know, seven days at a time. So I have to stop taking Kratom during this time. Also, my, my girlfriend, Lindsay and I, we just kind of break up and, you know, she, she was doing good for a while, had a job, almost had two jobs. Uh, you know, I find out she's cheating on me and getting strung out. So I kind of just kind of, keep distance from her for my own I guess safety and she eventually just packs her shit up I mean she ends up you know getting so strung out she gets she walks out of her job quits all her jobs gets evicted from her apartment that I helped her get and she ends up meeting um, a friend online Um, that was part of some stupid Facebook group, I think it was called Tribe, meeting this person, and they get really close, and she ends up moving down to L.A. to live with this person. Now, this individual's name was Cleo, and Cleo was, or I don't know if Cleo still is, but at that time Cleo was a transgender uh, male transitioning into a female. So, and Lindsay's bisexual, and um, she packs up as much shit as she can, and she moves down to L.A. to live with this person. Now, Cleo is schizophrenic, but takes medication to keep that in check, and before they know it, Lindsay gets Cleo strung out on heroin and, and meth, and now... Cleo has lost her job, and Cleo is about to get evicted. Um, So now they're both living on the streets of L.A. in a tent most of the time. And so it's right around this time that this is all happening. Um, So I'm also working as a certified pool operator at this community college in town. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing my best to meet the requirements of drug court, but also, you know, maintain my job and do all this shit. Anyway, I am still in contact with Lindsay, who's now my ex, trying my best to see if she's okay. You know, still kind of resentful towards her for everything, all the shit she put me through. I mean, I've talked about this many a times. Um... But uh, she says, oh, I miss you. Uh, you should come down and visit me in L.A. And this and that. And I get the bright idea in my head that, oh, I'll take uh, a vacation pass or I'll put in a, a vacation request for drug court. Go down to L.A., see Lindsay, party for a bit and go, you know, back up north to my hometown and go about my regular <laughs> program and job and everything. So I, because in drug court, you can put in a pass and be like, I'm going to be out of town doing this or that. And you could say you list how many days you'll be gone. And when you get back, you usually have to, you know, pass a drug test and, and this, that, and the other. So I was like, Oh, that's perfect because I can put in a vacation pass for work, get some time off put in a vacation request for drug court, be able to go down to L.A., party for a bit, and go back up north and put it all down. And I'll have a little freebie (laughs) relapse in me. I mean, now, in hindsight, thinking back, that was really stupid, but at the time, you know, I'm off Kratom. My cravings are back. I'm not really running a program, or I'm in meetings, but I'm really not paying attention. I'm just not... I just I, I have no really true intention of actually staying sober I'm just trying to get white knuckle it through this drug court program so I can you know get my uh, convictions expunged and then go back to smoking weed and you know partying and doing whatever the fuck I want so I was like okay I'll have this one little trip party a little bit and uh, then put it down and go back to drug court so I'm gearing up for this little vacation I'm about to take down in LA, which is my hometown, or, you know, was my hometown. I'm living in San Luis Obispo at the time. So to prepare, I have a bunch of money saved up. I'm making good money at this job. And I call my plug down in LA, Stoner Steve. And I'm like, look, I'm going to be down in LA. I'm going to have a bunch of money. And I'm gonna need you to get me a bunch of drugs. And he's like, "Sure, just let me know when you're coming, and then we'll meet up and get all these drugs." So, I I get. I'm getting geared up for this. And uh, the day before I'm supposed to go on this pass, I call up a local plug in San Luis Obispo, and I'm like, "Cause I don't. I know I'm gonna have have like a two and a half, three hour drive to go get these drugs. I want to have some drugs to make the road trip, you know." more bearable. So I call up a local plug, buy a little bit of heroin, and save it in a lockbox in my storage unit to, you know, get, and then do some for the car ride down to get more drugs. So I do that, get some, get a little bit of black tar heroin, and then the next day I'm gonna go to work, you know, work till like 12, leave, and head down to LA. So that's what I do. I get the heroin, store it, and then go to work, get off at 12. And I can't even wait until I get off work. I end up uh, taking our company vehicle or my company truck uh, going on a lunch break and driving to the storage unit, banging out an issue, going back to work and uh, loaded and then finish up at work. And now I'm Going and getting ready to go on this road trip all the way down to L.A. So I'm high, driving to L.A., finally get to L.A. It's like a 160-mile drive. And I meet up with my plug, Stoner Steve. And, oh, by the way, I also had gotten a gram of, of uh, molly, like pure MDMA. So I already got some molly. I have a little little bit of heroin. I meet up with Stoner Steve. And I end up buying a bunch of black tar heroin, some China white heroin, a bunch of coke, and a bunch of meth. So now I have two types of heroin, molly, coke, and meth (laughs) all on me. So I get that, and me and Stoner Steve... Pull over, we bang out an issue, I think I was doing a speedball, or, or what, who knows, like, I was already, like, just, it was bad. <laughs> I hit up my ex, my ex, Lindsay, she's in Hollywood, so we go, leave downtown, I pick Lindsay up in Hollywood, and she's already on a sick one, and she's already talking about, um, I have the best meth, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whatever, I have like $500 worth of drugs, like I don't give a fuck. And now we go to this, um, we end up going to this fucking, I'm like, where can I get the cheapest hotel in Pasadena? Because I already know there's a bunch of cheap CDS motels in Pasadena. You know, my old psychedelic connect used to live out out of a bunch of these hotels and slang DMT and acid and stuff and there'd be people like literally doing shake and bake meth cooks in the like fucking rooms next to us so we could smell all the fucking fumes and shit it was it was crazy so we the me stoner steve and my ex Lindsay drive and get the, literally the cheapest hotel I can find was like $40 a night. You know, I'm willing to spend $500 on drugs, but when it comes to hotels, I'm like, give me the shittiest motel you can find. So we go, and um, now we're getting ready to do more drugs. So anyway, I um, Lindsay's just convinced that her meth is better than my meth, and she's like, come on, I'll give you a shot of meth. So she doesn't even cook it. And draw through a cotton. She just sticks a fat shard in the barrel of this syringe, draws up some water, and shakes it up to, to dilute or dissolve the meth. And she gives it to me to do. Now, you know my tolerance from two days ago is at zero, and I'm already loaded. So, I but without even thinking about if whether this is too much or not, I do this shot of meth. And I instantly get swept with this warm surge of being way too hot. You know, my bell is rung and I immediately need to throw up. So I start screaming at Lindsay, what the fuck did you do to me? I run to the toilet and start violently vomiting, like violently fucking vomiting. And I'm like, why did you give me that much meth? And at this point, Stoner Steve is like already sketched out. He's like, I need to go please give me a ride somewhere. This is just, you know, I, I already, you know, shot him some fucking drugs for, you know, middlemaning this whole operation. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go drop off Stoner Steve. I leave Lindsay in the hotel and I leave all the drugs there, you know, hoping she's not going to just r- walk out with all of them. But I mean, also she's homeless and has nowhere to go. So... I'm pretty sure she's going to stick around. Anyway, I drop off Steve and get back. But during this time, Lindsay is like pinching bags, pinching drugs out of my bags. I think she had mistaken the China white for coke and pocketed some of that thinking oh, I'll have some coke. <laughs> and uh you know that will be an important aspect of this story later, but we get back and me and Lindsay start fooling around. Now, this time Lindsay's dating Cleo. And we're broken up, but we're trying to have sex. Now, I did such a fat shot of meth. I have the worst whiskey dick of my life. Worst whiskey dick of my life. So there's no way we're gonna be able to have sex. I'm just like telling her, like, just just squeeze it as hard as you can. Squeeze my dick as hard as you fucking can and nothing we try and like fool around in the shower it's not happening so i we basically just give up at this point i'm like dude there's no way i'm gonna be able (laughs) we're gonna have successful sex i mean we fooled around i think we you know had some oral with each other but it's like dude I'm i'm a wet limp noodle at this point and that is just not happening so finally we're just hanging out being super high And Lindsay is on her phone, her Obama phone and texting Cleo and because Cleo has been out and about. And so she invites Cleo to come over. Um, and I'm like, yeah, at this point, whatever, just come over. So Cleo ends up coming over. We end up parting some more, um, I'm, uh, I'm at this point, I'm so fucked up, i barely know what the fuck's going on, uh, Lindsay ends up passing out, because she'd probably been up for days, and me and Cleo start smoking a bunch of meth out of the pookie all night, and actually, you know, I really connected with Cleo, you know, we got, I, I didn't really get to know her, we, I mean, I was kind of, you know, when me and Lindsay were going through our shit, I, I... We would argue online and, you know, I'd probably leave comments on her fucking, her post updates on Facebook like, fuck you, you know, cheating on me and stuff. And Cleo and I would get into arguments. But at that point, me and Cleo kind of like, we're cool with each other. And, you know, that good meth smoking session, we, we uh, connected and got really close. And we even had a really warm, embracing hug (laughs) all until the sun rose. So the next day comes and I'm like, all right, I'm going to stay in town one more day. So I go downstairs to the lobby and 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 pay for another night at the hotel. At this point, I'm just I'm just been fucking I'm super loaded. And I think, you know, at one point Cleo and Lindsay go off and do something. I mean, there's moments where they're like super intimate with each other in front of me and then all these memories just flood my brain, I was like, oh, you broke my heart, you bitch, <laughs> you know, like, how dare you, you know, do this in front of me, and so I'm all depressed and sad, I think they go off to do something, I don't even know, they went for a walk in the park or something, so I'm in the shower, like, crying, you know, like a fucking loser, <laughs> and and they get back, and uh, now, mind you, um, this job that I have up north as a certified pool operator. This is a temp job. I went to a temp agency, found this job, and it was just to, like, fill in for this other guy who had the job that was going through back surgery, so I was just supposed to temp for him, and then it turns out his back is just so fucked up that they're going to need to have someone and bring someone on full-time and actually working for the college. So knowing this... I ended up applying for the job, doing an interview, and I'm just waiting for human resources to go through all of the other um, possible people that they want to hire and people they've interviewed. So I get a call from human resources at this point, and they say, Yeah, you know what? We want to hire you full time. The pay is going to be this much, and you're going to have full benefits. You know, it's a fucking college gig. So it's like, Yeah, I'm going to be getting a bunch of money, and, you know, all this, you know, dental, health insurance, all that shit. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, super excited on the phone. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'm on vacation right now, but I'll come back and we'll we'll fill that out. So, um, I basically am like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get this job. And I'm going to be, you know, my life is already improving. And I look at this pile of drugs uh, on the table and, um... I end up taking a fat chunk of black tar heroin, a fat chunk of China white and a a fat chunk of Coke and putting it in one of those little rubber dab containers that you get at dispensaries to put like concentrates in. And I just I keep that for myself for the road trip back up. And I'm looking at all these other drugs. You know, I haven't even touched the Molly at this point. And I'm like, all right, ladies, I just got this sick ass job at the community college I work for they hired me on full time and I'm just here you guys or you girls you can have all the rest of these drugs they're yours I'm giving them to you I have no need them no need for them after this little vacation party I'm going to do the rest of what I kept for myself and put it down for good I'm going to go clean I'm going to go straight this time you know I got you know I got something something good going for me so I'm thinking, okay, that, I mean, at this point I have been shooting up speed balls all for the past day and a half, maybe two days. I've been putting black tar heroin, China white and Coke and make, and cooking it all together in shots and just doing shot after shot. Now here's the, the kicker. When you do speed balls, it's a little different than a goofball because, you know, Coke wears off fairly fast, right? Anyone who's done Coke knows this but so i always want to get the bring the rush back up my silly dumb ass keeps mixing in the china white and the heroin in with the coke so i'm doing more and more heroin with my shots of coke so i'm like all right i'm going to do and i'm really fucked up at this point like really fucking high dangerously high so i'm like i'm going to do one more speedball and then we're going to go out to downtown or hollywood and we're going to have a great night And then the next day, I'll drive home. So, I end up doing this fucking last shot. This last speedball shot. Not thinking it's going to take me out. Turns out, it does. I fall out so hard. Apparently, from what Lindsay had told me, I was like clutching my heart. And then I just drop to the floor. And on my way down... I smash my head on the corner of this table in our hotel room, split my eyebrow open, and now I'm just laying there dead on the ground. My face is completely gray. I'm overdosed to the max. So now Cleo and Lindsay are freaking the fuck out because I'm basically dead from an overdose on the ground. They have Narcan in one of their purses but they are—they can't find the Narcan, and they're Cleo's struggling to find this Narcan, and they, they just have no idea where it is. Lindsay, at this point, I, I'm a, aloof to all of this because I'm dead on the ground, but Lindsay is screaming bloody murder at the top of her lungs in the hotel, running in and out of the hotel, screaming, freaking out, probably disturbing all the other guests of this hotel. And people are probably like, what the fuck is going on? So finally, Cleo has Lindsay call for an ambulance. And Cleo is giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation at this point um, to keep me alive. Because I'm dead. I'm not breathing. I am super-duper overdosed. So thank the Lord that an ambulance arrives, put me on a stretcher, wheel me out. And they're starting, you know, to hit me with Narcan. You know, the cops show up right after the ambulance left. And from what they have told me, they flushed all the drugs so they don't get busted. I mean, it could be very well that they just pocketed the drugs, but I'm pretty sure they flushed them. And so the cops arrive, they tell the cops what happened, and they're like... You're lucky that he's not still here. You know we could have charged you with murder, and they have to let them go. Um And I am in the back of an ambulance, getting driven to the hospital in Arcadia. I f- they hit me with enough Narcan that I finally come to, and my eyes just jolt open, and I take this deep fucking gasp of air like <gasps> and I lean forward like what the fuck's going on I'm freaking out you know I had, all this shit that's been going on I'm oblivious to it was just lights out for me after this shot and I come to in the back of an ambulance getting driven to hospital and all these EMTs and paramedics are like it's okay it's okay calm down you just overdosed you're good now just don't, don't make any sudden movements, just lay there, and now I'm freaking out, my heart's racing, I'm like, what the fuck, no, I just got a job, I can't, this can't happen to me, this can't fucking happen to me, and they're like, it's okay, don't freak out, and I was like, I can't go to jail right now, I can't go to jail, and they're like, dude, calm down, we're not the cops, we're the paramedics, you're not going to jail, so they drive me to the fucking ambulance, or they the ambulance drives me to this hospital, they lay me down and they start to stitch up my fucking split eyebrow cause it's just split open there's like blood on my face and they stitch me up and they you know take a few like they monitor me and make sure I'm good and apparently they just let me go they release me and now I'm out trying to w- wander around and find my way back to the hotel <laughs> because and, and it's pretty far away <laughs> you know so I, I I stumble down these streets and I make it to this parking lot of this mall. Now at this point it's it's late at night. I come across this mall. I find a security car a security guard at this closed mall, and I'm like, look man, I just got out of the hospital and I'm trying to get a ride back to my hotel. Is there any way you can like call a cab? I don't know who to call or what to do. And he's like, yeah, I got you calls me a cab. Cab gives me a ride to the ATM so I can pull some money out to pay him and drives me back to the hotel because my, from my understanding, my car is at the hotel. So I go and um, go back to the hotel and you know, at this point, the person working at the lobby is just is like, whoa, you know, and I'm like, uh, can I go back to my room, <laughs> get my stuff? And they're like, no, we kicked... You and your friends out. You're kicked the fuck out. And I'm like, well, what about all my stuff? And they said, oh, well, they... Your friends took all of your stuff. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? I need my keys. I need... I don't have the keys to my car. I have my phone in my wallet at this point. So I try... And my phone battery is about to die. So I end up walking across the street to a Denny's to charge my phone. And... Um, you know, I'm. I'm like, uh, I'm. I'm walking. Actually, I'm walking across the street and down the street to get to this Denny's to try and charge my phone and figure my what out. What the fuck am I going to do with myself? I end up coming across the Seven Eleven, and I reach in my pocket, and in my pocket is the rubber dab container where I pinched off. A bunch of those drugs. I had the black tar heroin, the china white, and the coke. And I look at these drugs and realize I just overdosed. And I'm like, man, fuck these drugs. I throw the rubber dab container in the trash can of the 7-Eleven, right? Mosey on down to the Denny's and order some breakfast and charging my phone, trying to get a hold of Lindsay and Cleo and i'm just sobbing in this fucking denny's i'm just crying <laughs> you know, the, the waitress is like oh what's wrong honey and i make up some story cuz i don't want to say i just overdosed so i'm like oh my friend was in an accident <laughs> just fucking so and just so i can make up some excuse for why i'm so such a fucking hot mess and they're all feeling sorry for me And so i I'm on my phone. I finally get a hold of Lindsay and Cleo. Well, the fucking China White that Lindsay had pinched that she thought was coke, they ended up doing at some point in the story. And now they're falling out and overdosing. So they're at a fucking hospital, a different hospital in downtown L.A., And so now I'm trying to figure out how to get to them. And oh, by the way, they have my car keys. They have my backpack with all my shit. And so I'm like, great, now I need to go find them because my car is parked at the hotel and my keys are all the way across town and downtown at some hospital where they're overdosing. So I'm like, oh, great, shh, well, fuck. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I need to get my keys and get back to my car so I can figure out how to get back home. So I take, I download the Uber app, shout outs to Uber. I order an Uber, Uber takes me to downtown and this dude's already tripping out about me cause I'm like crying, you know, I'm just a fucking wreck. And the guy's like, you need to calm down or I can't give you a ride. And I'm like, dude, I'm just crying. Come on. Like, I know that you're an Uber driver in LA, but just mellow the fuck out. But finally he drops me off at this hotel or at this fucking uh, hospital And he's like, do you need me to wait outside? And I'm like, no, just just kick rocks. And now I'm just like fucking like super out of it. I've been up for days. The Narcan kind of like eliminated my heroin high, but I'm still kind of coming down off the meth. And I'm running up and down this fucking waiting room of this hospital trying to find Lindsay and Cleo. And talking to the receptionist. And apparently they, I finally get an answer. People are staring at me like, who the fuck is this weirdo? Finally the, re- the person at the front desk is like, yeah, they were here, but they left. So I'm like, well, what the fuck? Why did they knew I was coming? Why did they leave without me? Like, are you fucking serious? So I walk out of the hospital. At this point, the fucking sun is rising. It's like 5, 6 in the morning. And people are starting to like, there's heavy foot traffic in, on the streets of downtown LA. So now I finally get a hold of them. And now they're at this trap house of their friend where they're just let, you know, hanging out. So I'm like, okay, we'll stay there. I need to go and get and meet up with you and get my shit so I can go home and, or, you know. Get my keys, get to my car, at w- way back at the hotel in Pasadena, and drive home. Like, this is already gone. Fucking, t- this, this whole vacation has gone to hell. So, I in, I think I'm able to look up the bus routes on my phone to get to them. But I'm coming down off meth, I've been up for days, and I am so out of it in a psychosis that I keep getting on the wrong bus getting off at the wrong exit. I hop on like four or five different buses till I find out like, dude, I am lost in LA. I'm super out of it. I don't know where I am. And I just need to fucking order another Uber. But for some reason, the Uber app wasn't working on my phone at this point. So then I download the Lyft app. Shout outs to Lyft. And now I order a Lyft to get to them. They send me the address. I take a Lyft over to them and this is in, like, South Central, you know, I stand out like all fucking hell. I finally get there, and I'm trying to walk up and down the street and find this house. And, you know, these people, the the, the trap house, they don't know me, so they won't let me in. So I finally get a hold of them. I'm outside. They come outside with my my backpack and my keys and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool we go and we go get something to eat at like a Wendy's. (laughs) And uh, because at this point I've been up for days uh, and I haven't eaten anything. So we get some food. We're ass out of drugs. You know, they had like a tiny fucking tiny piece of meth that they try to smoke. And there's just like enough for them and not me. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Just give you guys $500 of drugs. You can't even share your fucking little fucking corner bag with me. Okay. But I'm like, whatever. I got my keys. I got, you know, my sh- my backpack. And um, at this point, I'm like, so I get some food in me so I have a little bit of fucking, you know, <laughs> like perception back regained. And I take the metro. I think it was the blue line. Take the blue line to Union Station. And then t- from Union Station, I take the gold line all the way back to Pasadena. So I've taken like all the different types of transportation you can to get, to get around LA to kind of save my ass. And, um, I think I ended up calling my job and saying, Hey, I'm going to need another day to like, you know, uh, get, um, to, to, I need another day off, you know, my car broke down or I think I told him I got in a car accident. I was like, I got in an accident and uh, so I need a day to come back to work. And they're like, oh, okay. They just lied and said I had gotten in an accident so they can fucking... So I don't... Because, I mean, I, I was supposed to be back at work by this time and all this shit has gone. on. So I finally take the Metro, get back to Pasadena with my keys intact, get into my car. I've been falling asleep at the Metro, taking little cat naps here and there. And... Uh, as soon as I am about to get off at the Metro, I'm like, oh, fuck. I just remembered I threw that dab container f- with the last bit of drugs in that trash can at the Seven Eleven, And it could very well still be in that trash can right now. And I'm going to need those drugs to get focused to make this fucking three-hour drive back up north to get home. Because I'm... I'm fading fast, so I can't, I'm like excited now. I'm like, oh, cool, more drugs, because at this point I'm pretty, I'm kind of sobered up. i just need rest, and I'm like, no, I need to get back into town. So I get in my car, and I can feel like I'm so been so fucked up on drugs. I'm, I can feel like a sick cough in my throat, like phlegmy. I was like, oh, dude, I'm getting. This is taking its toll on me. But I'm like, fuck it. I need. The, I'm gonna get these drugs. So I get in my car, super excited. Start up the car. Drive to this Seven Eleven where I threw away these drugs. And I just, it's it's in the middle of the day. I walk. I just go. I pop my trunk. Walk straight up to this trash can in front of Seven Eleven. Flip the lid off. I just take the whole trash bag, throw it in my trunk, and get in my car and peel out of there. I'm like, dude, I'm stealing this trash, and I'm sure everyone. Uh, working at that 7-Eleven and shopping there, we're like, what the fuck? This guy just stole a bag of trash. <laughs> like, why would he do that? I peel out around the corner, drive up to this alleyway where there's nobody, take this trash bag, and just dump all the trash on the ground. And now I'm digging through trash like a fucking dirt bag. But I find the dab container. I find the dab container. And I'm like, I'll open it, the drugs are still in there, and I'm like, yes, found my fucking drugs, holy shit, awesome. (laughs) So, I take my dab container, leave the trash, drive over to a CVS on like Lake Street, where I know they will sell me rigs and buy a pack of fucking fresh rigs. And now, you know, pretty much right after overdosing and almost dying, I'm back at it again cooking up black tar, heroin, China white heroin, and coke all in one shot. There's not a lot of it, but there's enough for a good couple shots. Shoot up a fucking enormous speedball, and I'm back at it. Right now, I can drive home. So, you know, at this point, I'm driving on the freeway, and the psychosis is kicking in again. And, I mean, I've been up four days. I don't know how many days exactly, but I have not really slept at all. (laughs) And it's fucked. So, And I also have psychosis, like a motherfucker, thinking people driving behind me are following me. If they aren't cops, then they're on the phone with the cops following me, saying there's a lunatic on the road. Come quick. I'll follow him and see where he goes. So I think everyone's after me. So, I'm taking weird side streets. I don't know that where they lead i'm and and the coke wears off fast, so I'm getting off at all these exits to try and like fucking um. You know, find uh gas station bathrooms to like do more shots, and at this point, all the heroin's gone, and now I'm just shooting up coke just to try and stay awake, buying energy drinks, giant Red Bulls, trying to stay awake. But it, it's not working, dude. I my body is about to shut down whether I want it to or not, and I'll uh, so I pull over here and there, and try to take like little cat naps, but I'm also so in so much of a psychosis I'm way too paranoid to like stay there and fall asleep because I'm figured oh in this parking lot someone's gonna walk up see me pass out my car the cops are gonna come and knock on the thing and bust me so I like I pull over here and there try and take little cat naps but then I'm like just just out of it the like the psychosis in my head is 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 real so I pull over at all these different stops to do more. I go to get a Red Bull at this gas station and I'm like falling asleep behind the wheel. Lady comes out and it's like, you have to leave, blah, blah, blah. I was like, fuck you. I'm just checking my glove box. Leave all paranoid. And so I, I think my last stop, I was around the Goleta area. Goleta is right by Santa Barbara where I live now at Inpatient and, uh, I go into the most disgusting bathroom. There's like an inch of toilet water on the floor and I'm just like tiptoeing over it trying to cook up another shot of Coke. And uh, I do. And then I get back on the road. And by this point, I'm on some side street trying to make my way back to the freeway, getting lost, sobbing again, like, (laughs) what's happening? And now I'm starting to nod behind the wheel. And as I'm doing this, there's a bar I'm about to come up and pass on the road. I'm nodding out and crashing my fucking... Like, I think I nod out, wake up, and I see I'm fucking swerving right into a parked car. I try to swerve out of the way. It's too fucking late. I smash into this fucking parked car. Hard. This was... I was driving a nice Toyota Camry. It was my grandma's Toyota Camry. And after she passed away... Uh, I convinced my family to let me have it because I had some really fucked off ass like old Acura Integra with a blown head gasket. And so they let me have this really nice Camry that had like 24,000 miles on it when I first got it. So there's got to be at the most 40, 45,000 miles. I total this fucking Camry. Just smash the shit out of it. Now at this point, I got two rigs, two fucking rigs, and a little bit of coke in that dab container. In like my center console. And it just goes flying. Uh, you know, because I crash so hard. In front of a bar. Surrounded by people who are outside the bar smoking. It's nighttime at this point. You know, days are just coming and going. Anyway. I'm fucking. And it wakes me up, obviously. Adrenaline is flowing through me. And now I'm like, fuck. People are running up on me. Telling me not to get out of the car. And I'm like, I need to hide these drugs in this paraphernalia. So I find one of the rigs, and I find the coke, and I stuff it in my shoe. I get out. I'm like, holy fuck, oh fuck. And they just sit me down on the curb. Paramedics get there, like, immediately. And they put me in the stretcher, and they're like, they are like, are you okay, are you okay? And uh, they look through my car. They find one of my rigs. It's empty. It's not loaded. But they find it. And they're like, where are the drugs, where are the drugs? And I'm like... I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, we found a fucking, we found a syringe in your car. Where are the drugs? And I'm like, I'm a diabetic. I'm a diabetic. (laughs) And they're like, if you're a diabetic, where's your fucking insulin? I was like, I don't know. I left it at home. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just trying to like somehow talk my way out of this. So the fucking ambulance drives me. To Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara, cops end up following the ambulance there, and they're trying to just interrogate me, like, "Where are the drugs, man? What drugs are you on?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't. Ha- I'm not on anything." And I'm at this point, I probably look like I've been on all the drugs, you know. It's it's very very bad, and so, I, I mean, they haven't found them yet. They look through my pockets, I'm like, "There's nothing there. I don't have drugs." So one of the one of the People working at the hospital, unties my shoes, opens the shoe and a fucking, my, that one syringe and a bag of Coke or the dab container with the Coke falls out. And I'm like, and at this point the jig is up. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just sobbing. I'm sorry. Just take me to jail. And so like, well, all right, well, what have you been doing? I'd be like, I did all kinds of drugs. I did heroin, meth, Coke. I did it all. <laughs> you know. I didn't even get to do that fucking molly. I apparently got flushed. So my car gets towed to an impound. It's totaled. They have my, they take my belongings, like my backpack and whatnot. And it's in a bag and my, and I'm end up being put in cottage hospital where come to find out my ribs, a a couple of my ribs are fractured I have fluid in my lungs. I basically have like pneumonia. There's fluid in my lungs. Ribs are fractured. So I have to stay there for, um, you know, like, I don't know. I was in there for like five days, which was pretty good because uh, my vacation pass for um, for drug court was like seven to ten days. And I've been down in L.A. for like three this is all in like the course of three, three and a half days. So, you know, come day five, I'm like, I I know I can clean up, clean up my system. But at the same time, even though I can pass a drug test, I know I'm going to have these pending charges in Santa Barbara. I'll have a court date for a drug related DUI. Most definitely. I mean, thank God the police decided not to arrest me and take me to jail because they're like, well, he was honest with us. So we're going to let him stay at cottage and just fucking heal up because he's just, he's not in good shape. So I end up staying at cottage, letting my ribs heal. And they put me on an IV of a bunch of, you know, medicine and stuff to help me with the the fluid in my lungs and all this shit. So I'm fucked at this point. And, uh, you know, my parent, they notify my parents. They rush down to make sure I'm Okay. And so I stay and I sober up and I heal up at this hospital and my parents end up, the car is totaled at this point. There's no even, there's no use for even trying to salvage it. It's just, it's done. The, the amount of money it would take to, to fix it is more than what the car is like worth. So when I'm finally able to be released from the hospital, my parents pick me up, take me back home. And uh, now I'm like back at work and i'm like well fuck at this point i'm like should i call my drug court counselor and self admit because if they if i don't self admit and they end up finding out or my probation officer cuz i'm also on probation if my probation if my drug court probation officer is notified that i have a dui I'm fucked. They, I will be in a lot of trouble. I will get a sanction for at least a week or more. So I end up, I'm like, well, fuck, dude, I need to self-admit. Because when you get sanctions in drug court, if you self-admit to using drugs, your jail sentence or sanction sentence is always a lot less than if they you, they, you, you test dirty or they find out you've been using drugs. It's, they, and you, they find out you're dishonest with them, they will give you way more jail time. So I I know I don't want to, but I know I have to at this point. And I end up calling my drug court counselor. And at this point, you know, I'm about to phase up to a later phase. I think I was about to phase up to phase three of drug court. Um, Drug court is a lot like, drug court's a lot like this inpatient I'm in now, there's four phases. Each phase is like three months. And then after you get past phase four of drug court, there's like six months of aftercare. So I call my counselor in drug court and he's like, yeah, you're lo- looking like you're about to phase up pretty soon. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, about that. <laughs> he just starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, I, I got, I, I got high on my pass and uh, crashed my car. And it looks like I'm going to have a DUI. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm glad you self-admitted and we'll deal with it. So I had to go into court in front of my drug court assigned judge or, and uh, tell her what happened. And they made me do a weekend in jail. Thank God it was only a weekend instead of like uh, seven days. And, uh, and you know, because if I had gotten set a like, week in jail, how am I going to explain that to my job? So I end up, because I don't work weekends, I end up doing a weekend, getting out in time for work, and end up working some more and just waiting. It took like about six to eight months for me to even get a notification to appear in court in Santa Barbara for this DUI, and um, and eventually, because I'm supposed to get this Uh, this temp job to become a a permanent job human resources has to do a background check on me uh, to get hired even though I'm technically kind of already hired I've been doing all this paperwork with H&R do the background check and turn they see that I have this pending drug DUI that I'm in and out of court for and the date is during the time in which I'm temping so they're like, yeah, we can't hire you and you have to, you can't work for us anymore. I think the president of the college finds out and they're like, how the fuck would you not, how the fuck did this kid slip under the cracks and be allowed to work at a college when he's got all these convictions? I had felony intent to distribute convictions on there from when I worked at the dispensary. I just, I had, a, I had and still do have quite a lengthy list of convictions. So I ended up losing my job at the, at the college. Uh, and actually, I mean, luckily I ended up having to, I was in and out of court for this DUI. I got a, I got a DUI attorney and we were able to extend and pro uh, prolong the, the conviction sentencing until right after I graduated drug court, because if I was about to take this conviction while in drug court, it'd be a violation, and I probably wouldn't have graduated drug court. So even my drug court counselor was like, just see if they can push back the date, you'll graduate drug court, and then you can deal with this DUI. And that is what I did, and so immediately after graduating from drug court, uh... I not only relapsed, but now I'm gearing up to take these DUI classes and do community service, which they later changed into house arrest. So, you know, that's a whole nother story in itself. But I mean, just briefly, I ended up doing these three months of DUI, like literally as soon as I walked out of the court with the certification of completion for drug court. I go to my storage unit. I have somehow I've saved up more drugs. I end up shooting up uh, intravenous goofballs, meth and heroin, right after I graduate drug court, and you know I'm in and out of relapse, on and off, knowing I'm going to have to sober up for these DUI classes. It was my first DUI, but these three months DUI classes, I show up loaded a few times, get kicked out for being loaded, have to get back in, finish the three months DUI somehow white-knuckle it to finish these DUI classes and um, am gearing up to do 19 days house arrest. But thing is, when you go to the police station to get an ankle monitor put on, they will drug test you right there. And if you don't pass the drug test to get your ankle monitor, you go directly to jail. You do not collect $200, all that shit. So me being in and out of relapse... I basically kept uh, extending the date to get my ankle monitor. I'd be like, oh, I had, something came up. I had to go to the hospital for this and that. And because uh, I knew I, I needed to sober up and be able to pass the drug test. Literally three or four times I ended up relapsing. So I know I'm not going to pass the drug test for this ankle monitor. and I, pro, I keep extending the date so much that the, the sheriff or whatever, the cop's like, okay, well, the judge wants to see you. Uh, and to, to, so you can explain why you haven't gotten an ankle monitor yet. And so by then my parents had given me like an intervention and said, you can't live anymore. You need to go to a a program, a rehab. So I ended up going to the inpatient I'm at now, literally on my way, driving down to Santa Barbara to go to the court and appear in front of the judge to explain why I haven't gotten my ankle monitor. I get a call from the board of directors at the inpatient I'm at now, and is like, we have an open bed for you. When can you come in? So literally hours before I'm supposed to tell the judge I'm trying to figure out where to live, I was able to tell them, yes, I'm going to this rehab, and I can provide paperwork uh, showing such. And so that's basically what happened. That's the overdose and the DUI that led me into making the rehab I'm at now technically court-ordered, even though I was already planning on going anyway. And I've been at rehab for nine months. Now, this is this story, I'm sorry if it's very long, but this is, story spans the course of, like, a couple years, you know. But I hope it was a good one. I tried to tell it as detailed as possible, because it's one of my much... More insane stories, uh, and I hope you liked it. But, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys out there listening, uh, contacting me, showing me support. I love you guys, I hope you're all doing well. Um, what's crazy is I've had friends who have had like two and a half to three, something four years clean time, and in the past six months. So many of my friends have gone out and relapsed with years of clean time behind them. A few of them have even reached out to contact me and ask me about the inpatient I'm in and see if I can help them get into the inpatient uh, treatment facility I'm at now. And uh, so now I'm trying to return the favor to those who were helping me when I was fucked off and they were clean. So, you know, it's been a rough uh, few months Seeing people go out like that, some people dying, like I mentioned earlier, that hit me really hard. Um, and this is the story about how I almost died. Like, it's a miracle I'm even alive. And Cleo, if you're listening, thank you for giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation while the ambulance were arriving with the Narcan. It was funny because as soon as the ambulance and paramedics arrived with the Narcan, they, Cleo and Lindsay found the Narcan. And they're like, well, can you just leave? We'll give him the Narcan. And they're like, no, you're shot the fuck out. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take it from here. <laughs> and um, while I've been an inpatient, Cleo had sent me a friend request on Facebook. Is no, Cleo is no longer, or at, by the time I saw, is no longer transitioning from a male to a female, has gone back to being a male, and has a full-grown beard. So now at this point, I do not know what the correct pronouns are for Cleo. If Cleo is back to being a guy or a girl, either way, I still love Cleo. Thank you, Cleo. I love you. Just, you know, I don't care what gender you prefer to be. Just, you know, give me a heads up. Let me know what pronouns are, you know, uh, correct to use, and uh, I'll use them. You know, I respect, I respect. Whatever gender you identify with. And it is a little weird because when Cleo was giving me mouth to mouth, she w- was a female at the time. Now I got a friend request from her. Her profile picture shows her with a full beard as a male. You know, I'm old. I don't, this world's changing too fast for me to understand how the world works. But anyway, I love you guys. Um, I also want to just say, real quick, uh, this is one of my most recent recordings, but I still need to mix and master a bunch of old recordings. And throughout the span of this podcast, it's ne- the episodes are not in chronological order. They'll I'll have I'll play recent recordings and then sometimes I'll dig an old recording from the vaults and play old recordings. But just know, since the timeline jumps around, from episode to episode. If I do play an old episode, I promise to give a brief introduction and kind of vocalize, hey, this is an old recording. We recorded it back in the day during this time because there are, I mean, I don't want to confuse the, you know, you guys out there um, and let you know, hey, it's an older recording because there's good stories on it, but it may be confusing if I, you know, describe my life and then it's like, oh, this timeline's jumping around everywhere. But so just know that uh, if you guys could, please leave us a review on iTunes. Email us, nodsquadpodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. On our Facebook page, you can leave a review as well. And uh, I've had a friend do that, and that helps out a lot. Um, you know, like us on Podbean. Uh, I am planning to print t-shirts very soon, like, li- seriously, very, very fucking soon, so if you guys want a t-shirt, email me, or hit me up on my troll account on Facebook, it's Brian Unc. Albert. don't ask me why I got that name, I'll tell it in another episode, um, and, cause I, I mean, I have such better nicknames, uh, but, with that, I have to get the fuck out of here, go to bed, I have a bunch of other recordings to mix and master while I'm on pass. I hope you're all doing well out there. I know for a fact a lot of you have had challenges and struggles over these this holiday season. And I'm right there with you. I've been going through it too. You know, there's been some, some heartbreaking sad moments, losing loved ones. And uh, it, that's all I can say right now. Um, so reach out to me, I'll, I'll be there for you guys, and I just want to thank you guys for being there for me, so, I love you, and, uh, stay safe out there, and as always, peace, love, and all the above.